Hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric. And Jonathan is here in the same room. Well, yeah, this is very weird. We're yeah. actually in the same, uh, same, same locale. Same table. Got yeah. two beers. Yeah, we, uh, we did start out that way. We did start out that way. Uh, yeah. but this is the first time we're doing it that way in quite a while. Yeah. And this is a pub called Loch Ness Pub. It's in uh, Loch Ness Tavern. It's in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, I've recorded probably at least 100 podcast episodes here in the past. So I suggested yesterday, let's just do it here. Yeah. And here we are. It goes well with the maiden thematic, I think. You know, yeah, the, I think the local pub. Yeah. Could be where Bruce wrote his autobiography. Definitely. Had, had he lived here. Had he lived here. And I know there's a, there's a few... You don't hear a lot of Maiden here on the, the, the bar's playlist, but when you do hear it, it's usually deep cuts. Like, for instance, you can hear Ghost and Navigator will show up every oh, now and okay, again. Cool. And that's not a, you know, usually you hear Fear of the Dark or Number of the Beast, but here's Ghost and Navigator and that's stuff like that. So I'm always pleased here with the music choice. It was We just listened to um, Argus mm. uh, by um, Wishbone Ash. Yeah. And then it was America. I like that band too. Yeah, a lot of this one. I recognize this song, but I don't know. It's, it's no. no. I mean, who knows, but. I'm yeah. sure something else will show up. You'll hear something pop up in the background, I guess. You yeah. Know? It's different for me. I've never recorded a in-field podcasting before. But I've done a lot of field recordings yeah. for music and yeah. soundscapes and that kind of stuff. It's nice to get out of the house. It's nice to get out of the house. Uh, and um, at the moment, there's not a hell of a lot of us in the room. So it's fairly <laughs> safe, yeah. I'd say. Uh, just fun to get out have a few beers. and. Uh, yeah. It's um, afternoon, the mm-hmm. day before yesterday. <laughs> you know, That's true. Kind of. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that is true. That is that's very yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, a song that I would say, for me, uh, when I think about underrated Maiden songs, this yeah. is very high in that. This is probably the top, the top, under, the most underrated. For us, I think. Yeah, know, definitely. Probably not for everyone, but I think it's, yeah. it's um, uh, considering how much I, I love the song and how little kind of reverence yeah. it gets. I think of... Very little. Yeah. Right. It's... Uh, yeah, it's probably on the top of that. And it kind of snuck up on me that you also had this because it was a secret favorite of mine. Yeah. yeah and, I had it, and we when we nailed the interview with Blaze mm-hmm. that you can also hear today in full length. And yeah, also it's coming out same time, different. Uh, yeah, just yeah it'll be another episode, but same day. And you'll hear quite a bit of it in this episode because we did talk about Como Estas. And uh, that was my, my main note when we landed the interview. I said, we have to talk about that one. I have to. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I have to convince Eric to spend time on that one. Well, and then it was your exact idea yeah. as well. So, because when I when I emailed uh, Blaze's management, I mentioned uh, this song. That's the one I mentioned foremost because this is the one I wanted to focus on uh, with him. And we talked about all kinds of stuff, which you'll hear. We talked about Klansman. We talked about. Or, I mean, he talked about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And um, his first Maiden concert. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, uh, who would have, who would have heard, thought thought that? You know, that, that's a fun story. Yeah. Well, you, you'll get you'll get that later. Um, but here we're going to talk about uh, Como Estas Amigos. That's right, Como Estas Amigos. And uh, I guess we could kick it off with uh, Blaze's input on it and his his story behind it from so, from the interview. So let's do that, and then we'll come back in the end with yeah, what exactly. We think. Right, there, Obviously, yeah. he's not here with us in no. Loch Tavern. He's, yeah, he's not just sitting here waiting next, next yeah. beside us. To but well, you could imagine that he is. You I, know, think we're now like this, I think he'd like this place. Yeah, we're mo- moving into the press or side room, you know, interview yeah. room now. And uh, we'll listen to him talk mostly about the, how the song was created, yeah. in which context it came out, and also, of course, the lyrics and yeah. the thematic of it. So. I'm glad you agree with me. That <laughs> Trump's smoke. On water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So yeah, the concept of our show is made in A to Z. We go through every Maiden song in alphabetical order. And we, okay. intend, to, we intend to go through the solo stuff as well after. So probably 18 Flights will be the very first Blaze song. 
that we tackle. Okay. Uh, but wh where we are now in our tenure is on a song that you actually have writing credits on as well. It's Como Estas Amigos from Virtual yeah. Eleven. Yeah, and there hasn't been that much talk on this song, but it's a personal favorite of ours. I think it's a very interesting topic and a very, very good song, melodically and, uh, and uh, vocally. Do you have any recollections from writing this song together with Yannick and recording it? Yeah. Yeah, man, it's big. So I'm on the, um, I'm on the promotion tour for the Virtual Eleven album, and it's six weeks. Every day almost is flying. That's no exaggeration at all. And you fly to another country, have dinner with the record company, next day five hours non-stop interviews, and like that round Europe. Then you've got to go to Japan and Brazil and just every place where Maiden has fans, which is a lot of places, a lot of different cities, a lot of journalists to speak to. And there we are in Argentina, Yannick Gers and me, I think it was. And we're, we're in Argentina and the hotel is in Parliament Square. I think it's Parliament Square. And there, it's not like a big conference room that they've got for us. We did a lot of uh, interviews before lunch. And it, the schedule isn't that tough, but there's a lot more TV and radio compared to press interviews there. And I looked out of my hotel no i i was in a conference room and there's a couple of journalists there and somebody from the record company and i looked out and i said what's that down there and it was a memorial with flames and they said that's the memorial for the fallen soldiers of the falklands war malvinas it's called in argentina mm -hmm. and i was like oh well, I'd really like to go and, and see that because my friend from school was killed in the Falklands War. He was in the Royal Marines and he was killed on the Falkland Islands. So um, I really wanted to see that. And what was really apparent was that we all loved music and there was absolutely no way anybody that I met on that trip would ever pick a fight with each other. You know, you might argue which is best, Maiden or Priest, or, <laughs> you know, Kiss or Motley Crue, but sure. you'd never sure. have a fight with anybody or think about starting a war with anybody that I met there in Argentina. They were absolutely lovely people, you know, who cared about music as much as I did. So I went, I asked a security guy, a lovely guy called Pepe, who, uh, and he, he took me down there and um, I, I read all the names on the memorial and uh, the, it was before smartphones or cameras or anything like that. And then when I got back to my room, I wrote a poem 
um, just what came to me instantly on the hotel note paper. And then I kept that with me. And after that press tour, then when it was time to start writing the Virtual Eleven album, I was on uh, a visit with Yannick and we were going through our ideas and, oh, what have you got? And I've got this bit of a riff or I've got this thing or mm -hmm. what have you got? Um, I've got this melody. or And he just had this little thing. He said, he said, have you got anything to go with this? And I looked through all the bits of paper and everything. And there was the note paper that I'd written this poem on. And I just started to wander around vocally with some of the words, with what Yannick was doing, and it just fitted in like that. Yeah. And there it was, Comastas Amigos. And I, it was in about 15 minutes, we had the feel for the whole song. And, I, you know, I thought, this is, this is big, but it's emotional. Yes, you know, yeah. very emotional, but all the lyrics were there. Then we took that to rehearsals and uh, showed Steve Harris the idea in uh, the arrangement. What it does is it builds up here and it changes here. And I'm like, oh, uh, I don't like that idea. But anyway, we tried it and, of course, it worked. You know, yeah. it does it's the, the arrangement that we have then and the way it builds yeah. never, I would never have thought of that on my own because at that time I was so stuck in verse chorus, uh -huh. uh, but you know, Steve's never been stuck in that. He's got these incredible different arrangements that you yeah. can't predict. And once we put that idea for the arrangement to it, just came to life. You just need to Instinctively knows what to do on the drums, and that was it. And we never sang it live with Maiden. We never did it live because right. it came out on Virtual Eleven, and then Bruce came back, and that was it. So there was never a chance to perform "Como no. Estás, Amigo" with Maiden, which was a little bit sad. So I was on my support tour when I was doing my solo tour. Uh, it was a Silicon Messiah solo tour, um, but I was supporting Halloween. Yes, I recall this. Yeah, and I played it on that tour, and it was huge, you know. Yeah. Uh, that I had at that time, they were very reluctant to play it because they were all about, you know, they wanted to do fast stuff and different things. But I, I got everybody to do it, and it just went down great. And then years later, it's been a really good song for me when I've wanted to have a big song in a set or an emotional song because it's all true. It it's basically yeah. the truth of that situation yeah. that I found myself in. It's here we are, you know, we're, we're in love with music. We're talking about music. You know, how could there 
ever be a time when we killed each other's friends, when we wanted to kill each other. Yeah. It seems impossible. Let's never have that again. And that's yeah. the sentiment of the song. And somebody made a, a, a special request for the song at, at one, um, one show that we did, a small show in Winchester that I, I like to do. And uh, we had this crazy support band, and, um, and I was pretty strict with them. But you know, they really, they really did well. I don't like people who are late, and I don't like people who don't respect my fans. You're the support band. People have come to see me. Then play your thing as well as you can, and be on time, and don't yeah. make me late and miss songs out of my set. Sure. Yeah. They rose to the challenge and they were great guys. And I got them to come and sing Man, Man on the Edge with me in the encore. And it was great. And a few weeks later, they sent me a message saying that their guitarist, who was 23, was run over and killed after a gig, run over by a car and killed outright after it oh, wasn't shit. even drunk or anything. And, uh, and, they said, will you please play that song for us when you come to Winchester? And I'll tell you what, man. Well, I sung that song as uh, a kind of tribute to that young man who would die. Oh, I was choking up. That was, that was tough, man. Wow. That was tough. But yeah. It was appropriate, you know, but, you know, it was, uh, it was tough. But it, for me, it's one of the, I can't say better because, you know, everything is good in a different way. But it's one of my favourites of the big and emotional songs that I've done. That's one of my favourites, you know. Yeah. All the melodies and lyrics are mine. And the arrangement is with a lot of help from Steve Harris. And the music is from Yannick. And I think it turned out really well. And I'll often bring that out in my set list now sometimes if we're going to a place where i haven't really been with my solo work and people don't know it and i want to play an extra maiden song or two then i'll come as las amigos let's get that out yeah and it's a different arrangement to the record as well the way that i do it live is it just wanders on it just starts and i can start singing at any time there's no set length to it it can even go on at the end it's got a vibe to it when we do it live uh, uh that's the way i like to have it you know chris the guitarist he starts it off very gentle we make sure that the tempo He's staying slow and, you know, sometimes it's really slow when we just really ease into it and find the vibe. And it, then it has a life of its own. It's, it's not trying to sound like the record. Yes. It's coming alive as a song, as a sentiment, as emotion and passion. It's coming alive as that. 
and there's a connection and a feeling that sometimes happens at shows that makes it magical. And that's a real privilege to do that. Yeah. I was going to say that I think it's a fantastic song, this one, and it really it brings the emotion across. I saw this um, episode of the, the series The Crown about the British royal family, and yeah. there was an episode touching on the Falkland Wars, and it got me reconnected with the song. I played the song afterwards, the original version, and I actually cried to it, because mm. it really connects to, the, to this misfortune that happened, which was an actual kind of war, but such a strange to me, a strange context for a war, but with, I think, a death toll up at a thousand, right? Something like that, yeah. And I think that, that gave the song a little bit new meaning because I wasn't familiar with the background of the song. And I think what happens in the song is that the, the melodies are so strong, so the message is strengthened by the melodies. That's how I view it, and that's what I wanted to ask also, if the melodies came after the lyrics or before or during if you recall. Yeah, before, because then I was in, that, in my hotel room yeah. and I just wrote down my feelings. And then it was, you know, after the X Factor tour and doing the writing for Virtual Eleven, that's when Yannick came up with the music and we just explored that. And it didn't take long to write, really to get uh -huh. the most of the song together. It, it, it didn't take long, couldn't have taken more than an hour. I think most of it came, as some songs do, yes. most of it was in 20 minutes. And and then, what you know, we had all the melodies fitted with the lyrics, things came out, the O's came out, and then that's it. Once the arrangement was in place, it, it was just, you know, it, it really meant something then. So, yeah. you know, yeah. with songwriting, it can be hit and miss. So it used to be, for me, quite hit and miss. Like, I always felt lucky if I came up with a good song. And I learned, really, from Steve Harris a lot about how to get the idea from your head into the rehearsal room, sounding like you thought it would sound and then to record it and um and this was the beginning of that for me really was okay i've got something it goes this way i had a lot of luck with it but that was it it wasn't really an accident it was something that worked out well for us for sure and now we have the testament to that we're here what could it be 23 24 years later still this song is on our minds right and kind of in our hearts as well. So I think uh, you managed to really get a strong song out there in this one. And it's a little bit forgotten. People don't speak too much about this. I think it's one of the best songs of 90s made and all together. I would say that it's going to be, it's going to be like, it's, I think that had you guys done it live and it became a live staple, it would be among the sort of maiden, you know, live classics that they're you know, like, oh, they got to play that one. Because it, 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 it could have been huge if you guys had got a chance to do it back in the day with uh, Maiden, I think. Maybe. It could have been as big as Blood Brothers. Yes. You know, I would love to think that because Blood Brothers mm -hmm. is absolutely huge live. Uh, I would I would love to think that Comestas Amigos could have been as big as Blood Brothers in a live set. Yes. I think Blood Brothers was written 
while you were still in Maiden, right? And I've also seen you do it with uh, Thomas Whitson, a favorite of ours. Yeah, well, it was, it's a song written by Steve Harris, but um, it never made the Virtual Eleven album because we just had too many songs. So um, I always wanted to sing it. And then years later, um, Thomas Faison uh, got me to do some different things for his album and his uh, Nyla Maiden album, his first yeah. one. And yeah. I said, you know what, would you uh, learn this one for me? I'd really like to do it. And he did. And we did a really nice video to go with it and everything. Yeah. And it really, really cool. Yeah, so motorcycle uh, fireplace. It's lovely. Cycle for yeah. it. So it, it's cool. I really liked it. Yeah. Very nice. And uh, speaking of this, uh, this um, Thomas Switzen thing, uh, you, you got contacted by him or did you find him? Because when I found him, I, I love this guy. I watched most of his takes on Maiden because I think the way he presents them, he really presents the sentiment of the song. You know, uh, let's say a song like Afraid to Strangers. I think his version is brilliant because you can hear the whole beauty of the song performed by one instrument alone. So I'm a big fan and I was just curious on this topic. Yeah, well, for the first Nyla Maiden album, he'd learned a couple of songs and he was also a fan of my solo work. And he said, Let, um, come and uh, sing these songs for me. And, you know, I didn't have much going on at the time. And I said, yeah, okay. And I did guest vocals for him on his album and we enjoyed working together and we've done some great songs together i think and had some really good recordings and i've made a full album with thomas feisen now with the classical guitar and some violin on there and it's called december wind yeah which is you know, one of my favorite albums that i've done even yeah. though i'm known for heavy metal and most of my fans like me for heavy metal then it's something to it about the relationship between the classical guitar and the voice and the violin that something happens for sure. me that I, i really like it so yeah we we've had a few different things and i've featured on a another couple of albums of his I, i've done things so what it demonstrates to me is that a really good song will translate into other genres yeah definitely whether it's classical yeah. guitar or piano or symphony or, or, or you know orchestra whatever a really cool song will translate and a crap song will still sound crap and not <laughs> worth doing and a great song lives beyond its album and beyond its artist and for me that is certainly something that i aspire to to try and write great songs that will 
be living beyond me without mm -hmm. my voice, with somebody else's voice, with an orchestra, with however, that's one of the things I try to do. You can't, it's almost impossible to have an album full of that. That's called, you know, one of the great albums of all time. But um, it's nice to try and get that and maybe on on the album you've got one song which you think maybe that's going to be a big song but um normally you you'd be very lucky it's just one per album that you'll get maybe you won't get one that you think about that and i think really como estas mm -hmm. it's one of those songs which i i would like to think would well, that live beyond Maiden, beyond Blaze Bailey, that if that got noticed by someone in a different genre, that they would do it and have success with it because it's a really cool song. I think, I think he would dig this place if he ever came here. Hopefully, maybe, maybe who knows, maybe, maybe when he comes to Sweden, well, yeah, we can, we'll probably be backstage at Harry B. James or something, but you know. We'll, we'll buy him a beer yeah. here. He'll see if he wants to come here. Yeah, it should be good enough. And um, yeah, as you heard in the clip, the uh, song was, uh, has a real interesting backstory. That yeah. I would have imagined something maybe like that, you know, mm -hmm. that he somehow came in contact with this because the conflict uh, that the song surrounds is, uh, of course, between, between Brits and Argentinians, the Falkland Wars. So I could imagine that he had some connection with it because also the time, early 80s, was a time for in his youth. Yeah. So, and he did tell us, like you heard in the clip, that one of his friends actually died in this battle. I've seen, I've since we've uh, did the interview. I've kind of did a little, little research on it, and uh, and just I know, I know several people who have older siblings and uh, friends who have, you know, who have died, who died in that one. Yeah. It does. It's not really seen uh, for those who don't really know. I guess like a big, you know, like it seemed like oh, it was like a, you know, if you don't know what it is or what it is, it sounds like. A lot of people don't know it, don't know what happened, but a lot of people probably think it was like oh, it wasn't a big deal. It was it was like a you know a, a, you know kind of a bad afternoon that was done. Yeah, because it's yeah. also strange war because strange it war. surrounds these salty, wind-stained islands, you know, yeah. that are kind of unlivable in a sense. But uh, it became, I guess, a matter of national pride. Yeah, uh, which was also in the time during that time. It was Reagan time. It was Thatcher time, and of course M Margaret Thatcher. Famous from the front cover of Sanctuary. Oh yeah, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, she actually started. Or yeah. Well, she started the war from her side, from yeah. the British side. Yeah. So it's quite central, I think, in the, in, the, in the culture they grew up in. Definitely, definitely, definitely more so than here, obviously. But yeah. But yeah, and I mean, just numerically, in numerals, it's about a third of 9/11. Yeah. Yeah. Like talking death toll. That's that's yeah. that's big enough that more people should know about. Yeah, it. I would say so. But also, I think something that I've kind of tried to, um, as an American. Uh, a lot of times, um, my my dear uh, homeland has a very weird yeah. relation to, to war. Yeah. You know, we're essentially we're almost always doing it with someone, and I think the you know I think a lot of the sentiment in this song, um, it's because what what he what he you know when he well you heard in the clip what he said about you know when he was meeting people around there and whatnot, and how you know everyone's getting along so well you couldn't imagine that there would be any kind of conflict. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times you can, uh, I think in wars, 
you, the soldier is never the one that's to blame about why they're out there. They're not the bad guys. No matter what they're yeah, fighting for, yeah. they're not the ones doing it. Yeah, you could go way back to one of my favorite bands, The Doors. Yeah. American band, they have the unknown soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of you know pointing straight at this in the context of Vietnam yeah. in this case. You know, the, the unknown soldier. Or you have uh, this song is actually about football, American yeah. football, oh but yeah. Disposable Heroes by Metallica. Yeah, are, is often interpreted as, as such. You know, there's it's a there's a I gotta find it quickly because it's such a great quote. Um, it's um, uh, you could find on cigarette lighters from the Vietnam War that veterans or people uh -huh. who there had, and it, it it sort of sums up the this kind of thing very well. Let's see. Uh, so here we go. It, it's uh, we, we the unwilling, led by the unqualified, to kill the unfortunate, die for the ungrateful. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's strong. Mm -hmm. Strong sentiment. Yeah. Could have been a spoken word intro by Bruce. There you go. A la Passchendaele. No, oh, yeah, that's, you know, a, yeah, that's yeah, a good one. We did this one. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that song at some point. Yeah, they yeah. do have a lot of war songs. In quite there. a while, yeah, so many. <laughs> so, but this is uh, one this of is the more interesting ones. This is know. a different one. This is a very different kind of. But I've also realized doing Made in A to Z that each and all of their war songs has its own perspective, its own kind of angle to it. Mm. Maybe not each and every one, but you know, most of them have this. Uh, I guess Trooper is about, for me actually, Trooper is about knowing that you're going to fail yeah, yeah. already when you enter because I mean we're not on T either but famously that that whole battle shouldn't have happened no something went wrong with the no. messaging system like I, I think literally a, a word was crossed out or something you know uh, torn out yeah and they said like go ahead and the, the leaders and everyone in that patrol knew that they shouldn't no but uh, you know they were they were in part of a machine so they went in and then the kind of the, the, the nerve of that song is uh, that even though you know you're gonna lose you're still doing your, your job to the fullest. And Comas Los Amigos, quite different, right? Yeah. But I think Comas Amigos, uh, contrary to like all the, a lot of the other songs uh, that deal with uh, this, this subject, or just war in general, it's, it's very much written from the perspective of the, you know, the, the actual humans on the ground, you know, what, you know, what's actually happening with them, more so than... Uh, uh, and, and not really mentioning the uh, even the... Uh, you know the, the war so much as you know the aftermath of what what it causes and the whole yeah the fallout from that, and that's very interesting because a lot of times they don't do that. A lot of times it's more just the actual. It's way more way more inclined towards the the personal aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. The, the relationships. It's it's not. I mean, not, I don't mean that the other stuff glorifies war because it's not what it's doing really, but it does kind of. Um, uh, well, this is a very different take on it. Yeah, so that's, that's what they put. And I think that's also why it's such a such a great song. Yeah, it's very good. And uh, we've been talking a lot about the subject matter. We haven't really touched on the music too much this time. The music um, it's a little bit harder to do actually when I'm not in my studio because uh, yeah, yeah. then I have such an overview. I have my guitars and everything yeah. there, but uh, I know that it's in uh, D minor. D minor, which is the uh, saddest of all keys, yeah. according to Nigel Tufnell <laughs> of Spinal Tap. And actually, this is one of the things in Spinal Tap that is. Seriously true. Uh, I've, I, when I hear D minor, uh -huh. I know it's D minor because it's slightly sadder than all the other Aeolian or minor modes. Yeah, yeah. Something happens with that particular uh, vibration, and you can hear it in this song. Uh, not too often is Maiden doing. They, they do when they do major. They're often in D major, mm. but when they do minor, normally A or E. Yeah, but isn't, isn't uh, and I might be wrong here because I know the intro, the actual intro. Uh, uh, for Brave New World, isn't that D minor? Brave New World is in D minor. Yeah, too, that's yeah. one. Of the, that's a good. Yeah, one. and it's also, also quite sad, right? Yeah, it's not a, a little bit deeper sadness or melancholy to to this key, yeah. 
And the, pretty much the song is a celebration of D minor. As, yeah. as I usually say, Hello Be The Name is a celebration of E minor. Yeah, that it's one, like yeah. the ultimate utilization of that particular scale, those yeah, seven yeah, yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this could be that for, uh, for D minor. You know, it has that uh, nice colorings. Uh, Gars flavored. Yannick yeah. Gars uh, did the riffs. What, we've, what heard it, we've heard it from the man himself, yeah. right? Gars riffs, Harry's arrangement, and yeah. Blaze lyric and thematic. One of, one of Yannick's best all-time songs yeah we keep saying that too I yeah but he, he has a good he, songwriter he has a lot of good which is also which always annoys me when you get people who, yeah. who come in you know and they say they don't like him but then they just mention stuff that yeah you know, he's, done, well, he's, he's done a lot of good stuff incredible songwriter actually very very good and I think natural too it feels like he's always ready to, to write you know? definitely and he's not looking for inspiration I think I think he just brings plugs the guitar in yeah yeah, and, yeah. you know I talk sometimes about the the riff tap or the riff cron and uh -huh that uh, you can just turn it on oh yeah he's uh, and they're, they're gonna come but you, of course you need to find something that fits together you need to find an arrangement and as blaze said it was easy in this case that it kind of just fit uh, his ideas and girls and then harris came in and blaze said himself he didn't like it he didn't like harris's take on the song yeah but then added of course it worked yeah so that seems to be often be the case with harris right smith, ha smith has talked about this too that yeah. when when he brings forth the idea yeah then this is not gonna work, you know. This is a weird idea, but then he's the boss, and they do it, and it works. So it's, it's a funny part about this band, really, that he comes in with these, I guess, non, no second guessing kind of ideas from him. Always ready to just, you know, this is this is the way I hear it in my head or something That's like that. That's what we're doing, and the arrangement is really good on this song. Yeah, he always he's very good, he's very very good at that. And sometimes not, right? Well, I mean, yeah, the gambler, the unbeliever. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. Those songs could have been better. But also, if you just look at his track record, you know, he's Harris. done. Yeah, just yeah. how many times? You know, obviously, Angel the Gambler, Unbeliever. We'll get to those. I mean, I guess. Well, spoiler alert. We've been on Angel the Gambler. And we don't not. Yeah. We haven't done Unbeliever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but, uh, but yeah. So th they have. There's some problems in both those, yeah. But otherwise, most of the time he does do it very well. Yeah. So I think the reason I brought up Unbeliever is that the, the actual ingredients of that song are not all of them, but most of them really, really good. But I feel that it's the, one of the best arrangement, choruses. maybe the best chorus, you know, it's such a good yeah. chorus. But there, uh, we've already been on that. But yeah, it's worth mentioning. Oh yeah, yeah. But the the arrangement of that song, the flow of it is, I have no, I have no better word than fucked up. You know, it's a fucked yeah, up flow. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. There's certain bits I don't like, but anyway, we'll get we'll get to that in about yeah. five years. <laughs> yeah, and of course, we're saying this because in Comas los Amigos, it works so well. Yeah, like there's no other way you could arrange this. Of course, Blaze rearranged it later live, but that's almost like, you know, just another take on it. Mm. But the original is always the original, and I think he would agree on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really ask him that. I mean, we, I, I did mention that, you know, the original is my version. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, in the, in their whole interview, Blaze was very open with this. Oh yeah, I also mentioned that uh, the reunion was a great thing, you know. Yeah. and you know, he's the kind of guy you can say that. But he's also he's very humble, and I think he's also very appreciative of what he. he he's not. I mean, I'm not going to mention Dennis Wilcock and Paul Diana. Whoops, I just yeah. did, I guess. <laughs> who are slightly less humble about their experience about it and kind of you yeah. know, you know, he's I also mean, such a Bruce fan. Blaze. Yeah, so he uh, yeah. of course he's happy he's back. Yeah, big fan, as big as us. And but uh, you got yeah you know, maybe maybe not to make okay I'll, I'll take it I take it back about Paul because Paul's kind of gone forwards and backwards about it but uh, Dennis has been a pretty much consistently been a dick about the whole thing. Paul is a bit of an enigmatic character to me. Again, he's off topic today, but uh, yeah, well, just to Paul Diano, who is he? You know, well, we'll get to that at some point too. I'm who sure. is that guy? 
we should look into that deeply. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, I mean, because he's he's a fan, and he was a fan. To, you know, he started as a started as a fan. I mean, uh, Blaze. So you know, of course he, you know, even though it kind of uh, the, you know affected his career when he did come back, I think he still likes that he's there doing that because I think that I think he kind of feels. You know he's a he's also a cool enough guy to you know admit like yeah that's what probably should be going on and he I think he does I don't think he has a problem with that I think he I think he well, well we can get to that you know yeah and parts of that you will find in the interview of course yeah. but I think that he's a very um, you know he he's he's built his own kind of little little empire there where he does his own thing yeah. and he's doing it very well and he's and I think that uh, he's where he's supposed to be I mean obviously I think it would be you know I you know. He'd, uh, I don't know. I, I probably had a point. I, it kind of disappeared. <laughs> I think something that was unfair was Silicon Messiah because that album is better than it's been hailed as. Uh, so I think most, in most cases, he's at the right place, like as you said, where he should be. Yeah. But in some cases, like in the early 2000s, I think he should oh. have been on another plateau that he didn't get to. But I would say the same actually for Chemical Wedding. It's Definitely, not, yeah, not that yeah. acclaimed, and it's no. very, very good. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, I think that he. Um, I think. A lot of time he's been, a, you know, kind of I think a victim of circumstance where like other thing, other thing, to put stuff around him is kind of, you know, fucked up and that's yeah, messed things yeah. up. Lots of personal struggles as well. Yeah, he got into a new one now in our interview, right, with uh, coming home from tour and no longer being in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And then previously he's had cancer in his family, mm. in his near family. Lots of difficult stuff really for this guy. And then also, I mean, yeah. So I mean, he, but he also seems to sort of, you know, I think there's that. Well, the album that comes out the day this is released, you should also go, make sure to check that out. It's called "The War Within Me." It's, uh, I think, it's on. Uh, n now it's available available digitally. I, th I think the the physical release is delayed slightly. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I ordered the vinyl, of course, but um, you check that out. But I think a lot of that has that the, the the central theme of that album seems to be overcoming yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'll play it on the way home. I've heard, yeah. obviously, heard the two singles. Yeah, and it's promising. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a well. You'll play it in the way home in two days from now because that's right. Today yeah, it's not the out. Home, yet. The day after tomorrow. That's right. Time travel. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, um, I think that for this song, though, if we're going to get back to that, there's no reason. And I said that to him. Th this this song should have been uh, like a. Uh, this, this should be just as classic as anything. Anything they do in, in the in the perfect world, this should be a staple in their last, like you know, the last half yeah. hour of a gig. I think Blood Brothers was a good example. Like it could have been that type of song. Uh, I actually, I mean, I love Blur, I love Blood Brothers, oh. but I actually prefer Comestas. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's you know, I I get it that most Maiden fans would have it the other way around. Yeah, you know, it seems logical, but it's always like this this appeal of this hidden track on the very last track on one of the least favorite albums version 11 final yeah. track it's not epic it's not huge uh, it's it is, it okay is, it's kind of epic it is huge it's it kind is, of epic. It is, yeah, it is, it is huge it's, it's but it's not traditionally made an epic huge oh, but that's it's not what makes rhyme, it cool rhyme manner no but it's exactly that's what's make, uh, what what makes it it's, uh, uh, it's a completely unique song in their catalog but it's also a very normal song really like this is not really a experimental or no, it's very straightforward, a new take on music or as you say it's not really earth shattering but maybe it is somehow still oh, I think it is earth I think it has, it, yeah. I think it's huge I mean, for us yeah yeah but I think also like it's got one of my favorite um, the after the second chorus there's a instrumental the instrumental part going from uh, second chorus up into the 
you know, the pre-chorus kicks in. The kicks slower in. one, that too. But the one that comes after that, the the the, the um, there's two riffs. There's a there's one that's just um, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's like that's so great. I listened to it just when I was coming in here. I I still it's still one of my favorite bits. You find a similar thing in, uh, uh, in the background of uh, the chorus, or maybe in the middle of waste, "Wasting Love" as well. There's yeah. a similar kind of arpeggiated. Yeah. It's very nice. It's really cool. Um, that, that's that's one of my favorite bits. Kind of uh, soaring, yeah. soars above somehow. And then you got the Dave doing the. Uh, I'm assuming it's the attic doing that. I think so too. Yeah. Or it's yeah. sounded more jazz like. <laughs> it's harder to do this, listeners. It's harder to do this with music in the background, but we can still do it. Well, I'm also I have yeah yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's going to be one single episode of this pod when I'm not singing a riff. You know, it's, just, it's always <laughs> going to be a, a riff song. Definitely. But that one, yeah, it's well worth pointing out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, we've been on the theme of the song a lot, but the music is as important uh, in in uh, terms of making this song. Uh, in my opinion, uh, as I said to Blaze, uh, that was not me sucking up to him. It's one of the absolute best '90s Maiden tracks. Top for five. Sh- top for sure. Five. But also, if you ask, I mean, besides when when you kind of you're navigating the kind of um, if, you go, if you go on the maidens uh, fan clubs uh, forum, or if you just click around on Facebook and you kind of venture beyond the f- the first like five comments and stuff, usually are just people just being dicks, um, or or just hating on stuff that's not the two things they actually enjoy. By yeah, most people are like yeah, you know, both the albums are really strong, and a lot of people I see like Virtual Eleven, like yeah, I love every song on it. Except Angel and the Gambler, and mm. the only thing wrong of that one is just the arrangement. If they if they could shorten down to like a four minute kind of thing, you could make that a really good song, probably. Yeah, I made a. I mean, I, I think normally I wouldn't pin myself as a guy that likes these uh, numeral ratings and statistics and stuff, mm. but for some weird reason, I made like I started to make this uh, one to five thing in our episodes, and I also made my own like one to five of every song on Virtual Eleven, and then divided it by eight. And it landed on 2.8, 2.9. So it's not an awesome album. And that's largely because of, for me, Don't Look Through the, through the Eyes of a Stranger is mm. a worthless song. I think it's worse than Indiana Gambler. Indiana Gambler is not strong. And then uh, there's another track that is not awesome. You know, there's some mildly okay tracks in the middle as well. But uh, then we have The Clansman, well, and Future Real, Comastas Amigos, and I also love Educated Fool. Yeah, I, I was just uh, listening to that this morning. Um, so it's an uneven album for me. Yeah. But for me, because you got you got Future Real, I like that. Angel and Gambler, we discussed that one. Lightning Strikes Twice, I like that one. Clansman, One to the World Collide, love, love love those two. Educated Fool. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that one, and actually Don't Look Into That Stranger, those two songs are ones I've just gotten into more in the last... Oh, really? Not too long ago. It will be on that one fairly soon. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's one of their worst songs. Uh, All right, well, fair enough. I, you know, but we'll get to that, yeah. I guess. But it's, uh, I, I think I think it's fine. It's great. I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's stuff that I... Um, it's, all, it's also, it has a little bit of a... I enjoy it a little bit more at the moment because also it's not one of the ones I listened to a hell of a lot because before I didn't like it. And then I kind of 
yeah. discovered now. So now I do really like it. I think this album is one of those that when I pick it up, I did now because yeah. I knew we were coming into these weeks with Clansman, with Comas Dos Amigos, with the Blaze interview. So it's been very central lately for me. And I'm always a little bit surprised that it's actually a, a good record. It's a great record, I think. Yeah. I think it also, I mean, also, I'm going to say it also that, um, and we, we, we've, uh, the, the, there are tons of stuff on, um, there's tons of stuff on uh, X Factor I really like as well. I think they could have shortened it down. Yeah. But that's also the same problem with Fear of the Dark. I probably like the X Factor Virtual Love more than I like Fear of the Dark. The album, at least. Yeah, same. Same. We'll get to all that. Because eventually, you know, the fun thing we'll do at the end of it, when, when, when all is said and done, yeah. before we ride into the sunset and, you know, listen to uh, the Monty Python song. Yeah. We, have to, we have to end the pod. We should, yeah. With the, with the, when we're, the last episode ever of this podcast has to be the Monty Python song. Always end. look. Yeah. yeah. So, but that, it would be fun to do a, uh, just to go ahead and rank the albums uh, song-wise and then do a kind of, a, just to see yeah. how we, ra- you know. It's always fun to do. I mean, rankings, they're never accurate. No, it's also you, very... You lose holistic qualities if you go song yeah. by song and uh, yeah. you lose maybe song qualities if you focus only on the whole yeah, but I I tend to go holistic. That's why I think Fear of the Dark is a weak album. Well, you, you got there. There's a one of my old neighbors who was a, kind of a bit of a music music snob. Would um, he's one of the guys who's he'd, he'd rate everything, and his yeah. rating was always correct. So if you disagreed, you were wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you uh, just have to let them do that, I guess. Yeah, I imagine he's still out there doing that somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, but I mean, he would, you know, and yeah. And no, I I think it's so. St- emotional and subjective yeah. but it's also so funny because he, he did have fairly good taste in music a lot of times but then he'd, he'd make his own music and I'm I, I, sorry I got to he'd make his own music and I did quotes and it was him banging on a guitar out of I thought he was kidding at first but he legit thought he was great wow. and and I, I could pick up an instrument not know that I've never played before and I can't sing and still probably sound about what he did and he recorded tons of uh, albums again I did quotes in the air uh, on his, you know, with his laptop, it just a little, uh, like his microphone. It, that wasn't a laptop, I guess, but I think that that character would be a, a, a gold mine for a hobby psychologist to put some. I mean, at some point, I mean, he's some gonna, tags on. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, imagine he's, uh, you know, if he ever does it, he's gonna make. He's, he's, he could make potentially make a, uh, some psychiatrist very rich at some point, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Like no, but he, he, you know, hits the fucking emperor's new clothes because he, could, uh, he had no idea. He, he fucking sucked. He couldn't play. He couldn't uh, sing. And he's you could out probably there. find a few letter combinations for that, you know. Yeah, I imagine yeah. he's somewhere out there, and I think he's. That's what this is back <laughs> when I somewhere out there. Yeah, he's back, back, you know, back in the. This is when I lived on leading it, like a thousand years ago. Running so. free, uh, I, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, what was the point of that? Oh yeah, that was the rating stuff. Rating, yeah. but we're not. Well, we don't read rate stuff, but we do do. Our we have the list. The list and. The list. Uh, and of course, this is going to be there. This is on the list. And it's not even going to be, we can say already, it's going to be on the top 50. Oh, yeah. Because this is our pod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to go away. No, this is going to be there, yeah. So yeah. that's... Yeah, good. yeah. It's, it's got the, uh, the first song on the list that is stapled. That's stapled. That's this one. That's, I mean, there's, there might be, there's probably one or two other no, ones. I mean, there. I think Brave New World for me. Uh, probably 22. 22 is strong. Yeah. It's really strong. Uh, we'll see. After we, we'll, oh, we'll, it's going to be so hard. Oh, but it's hard. fun if this song is the only one that is not going to be even negotiable. Well, also, the, depending on how we do that at the end of the day, because my idea was that we bring in maybe Arka and Henrik and we can do kind of a, like a round table about them. Yeah, I think so too, but they can't touch Como Estas. Just because it's so is, funny. I'm pretty sure, sh- yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> uh, but also, I think that if we just get uh, Arka on our side, which he probably already is, 
then we can't. Then it won't be water out. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's, he likes New Maiden. Yeah, yeah. because uh, so I, we've I, been discussing this yeah. cover band, right? Yeah. The Maiden A to Z, uh, the band. That'll be fun to do. Yeah, and it's already kind of coming to f- flourishing now. Uh, it actually is, but I mean, not in details, obviously. No. But um, uh, where was I going to get with that? Where were I going? Because uh, um, he, yeah, yeah, he, he, he put uh, together a playlist. Yeah, but that's what I wanted to get. Yeah, to. he's also really good. Look. I can. Well, I'm not going to yeah. read it off because we should, we should we should let him do it when the time is right. Uh, and he put plenty of uh, new stuff in there, even yeah. though he knows that Christian is on the album. And if you're listening to this pod, you know that Christian stopped listening in 1988. Also, I mean, uh, re- realistically, I'd imagine the guy I want to have on drums is obviously Henrik. Yeah, if he wants to, I think he'd be yeah. fine with that. Yeah, but yeah. also that means also he, he doesn't he doesn't listen to stuff either. So. True, true. I I have a drummer also. It all depends on who wants it the most. And this is also yeah. yeah we'll get we'll get sound this. like yeah because in the first rehearsals I'm probably going to do Dave, but probably not on stage. You know, it's no, all no. the details have to be worked out. Yeah, you have to figure it out. But you know, just to get going, I think I would do Dave probably in the beginning. Yeah, but here's what I'll do. I'll let you guys do the solos, <laughs> yeah. and I'll just do the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I thought like both you and me could go as an extra third guitarist on some songs, yeah, yeah and then yeah. just oversee it. Yeah, it'd be, be kind of nice because I've never, I've never actually f- started a band that I'm not in. So you'd be yeah. like the guys who put the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, together. we'd be the producers, you know. There you go, that yeah. works. And then maybe do the Michael Kenny keyboards in front of house sound. I some do stuff. That, yeah. some stuff that, that works. That works. Yeah. An extra guitar on yeah. some songs. I don't know. Uh, this is future thing. We yeah. can't even do it live now. Oh, we will be at some point. Right now, we're actually in a bar, at least. Yeah, this is a start. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, but I think I think uh, if I picked up a guitar, would this be illegal? No, no. There's few enough people here. No, I don't know. I don't know you picking up a guitar. No, but that qualify. was the thing before, right? You could be like tons of people in a in a mall or something. But as soon as someone picked up a guitar, it became a cons- concert well, and know. it became illegal. I don't know. Well, maybe I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think I don't think that'd be a problem. No, here. no, it wouldn't. Probably. But you know. Well, um, that's it. Comastas is on the list. It's on the list. Um, and of course, uh, if you're listening today, Friday, yeah. there's a, f- it's a full interview with Blaze, 80 minutes plus. Right, it's uh, up as well. Came out at the same time. And also, be sure to check out Blaze's new album. It's called War Within Me. It's up on uh, it's probably up on, it's on Spotify, uh, probably all the other digital platforms. Yeah. And uh, yeah, buy the CD and the vinyl. Yeah. I'm, I'm a vinyl guy, so I got the vinyl. And if uh, uh, if you need some, um, if you want to save some time. And you listen to the full interview. The segment that was in this episode is in between 6:20 and 27:30 or something like that. It's about 21 minutes there in the beginning, and also there's five minutes on the Clansman yeah. that we already played. But the rest is fresh. Yeah, it's good. It's cool. So it's worth. It's worth. Yeah. yeah. We check it out. It's uh, one of the coolest things. That, well, we'll get. We'll talk about that in the intro to yeah. that one, I guess. So until then. Until I mean, then. Up the irons. Up the irons. <laughs>